I have felt a disturbance in the Forge Master. I too have felt it. Patience, Lord Vader. In time, they will come to you. And when they do, you will bring them before me. As you wish. My Lord Emperor GM Lance, we have captured one of the rebel agents you have been looking for. Even though he denies it, we believe he listens to the Order 66 podcast regularly, and our agents believe he may somehow be connected to everything that is wrong with the galaxy. Excellent. Bring him to me. Hello, boyos! Misa Jada Rings! Misa never listened to the Order 66 podcast, okay, day? Good. Good. The galaxy's hatred for you has fueled the dark side of the Force. And now, young Jar Jar, you will die. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and for those tuning in for the first time, welcome to the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing, The Order 66 Podcast. And I am joined tonight by my co-host and one of my genuinely favorite people, GM Phil. What's up, dude? Hello? So this is what happens when Phil mutes his mic. Off love, God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's one of those weeks, Gamer Nation. Drink! Those weeks. <laughs> drink, 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 drink. How you doing, bro? Drinking. <laughs> um, I'm doing all right. It's, it's been worse. I can, I can console myself with that. Well, that's, that's, that's good. Good, good. Tough, tough week. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a rough and tumble week. It's a rough and tumble time to be in, uh, to be in the, the line of work that I'm in. But uh, I had a decent weekend. It was really well. Had a, actually had a really great weekend. Now that I now that I uh, properly think about that statement, now tell us. Um, well, uh, as many of you know, I am a member of the Five Hundred First Legion. Yeah. 
And every now and then we get tapped to do some pretty awesome things, uh, specifically for stuff like Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, and this past weekend, we did a we granted someone a wish, and of all the things they could wish for, uh, this kid whose name was Cole, he wanted to be Commander Gree. Um, specifically, the episode three look, you know that that really camo armor and the the, the weird green reflective face from Clint. And you know, th- this is Make a Wish, so this is something where the kids can like wish to have like you know meet celebrities and and be professional <laughs> sports athletes and yeah. go to Disney World for a week. Yeah. And this kid just wanted a, a suit of Commander Gree armor, so uh, a bunch of guys led by uh, Chris Gregoire, um, who's an, a long time um, Star, uh, long time Five First member up here, one of the original guys. Uh, he took a, he took the reins on this. He got in touch with a couple folks, got a suit. Had a couple build days where a bunch of folks got together and slapped it together, um, painted it up professionally. I mean, this thing, like, like anything else with the 501st, looks like he walked right off the movie set. Um, and the kid knew he was getting the armor. Um, he we because we had brought him together and, and we, we had you know brought him over and and sized him for this armor. Um, but he didn't know that he was going to have this massive party with like. 20 of us there, all in costume, all having fun, and that he was going to suit up. We've got a guy in our area who does a, uh, who, who portrays Emperor Palpatine. So we had a recording of him and projected it onto a mist filled stage that basically said, From henceforth, you will be known as Commander Gree. Now, don this armor and join me in ruling the galaxy. So we got him kitted up right on stage. It was awesome. Big reveal. Uh, one of the local news stations was there, and they like did video and did a story about it. It was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Bro, that's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's it's a nice it's a nice side effect of the hobby that this of this hobby that we get to do that for kids. Um, and this is actually the first time I've been able to do a, a Make-A-Wish event. And I've got to tell you that I'm not going to miss another one when the opportunity comes up because this is just this is just too good. This is that you know warm feeling in the cockles of your heart that sticks around for 24 hours, if not more. So God, it man. was good fun. It was good fun. I'm going to cry. That's just tremendous. I, right. oh, that's Good on you, bro. And good on the 501st. That's, that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, actually a pretty decent weekend. Well, good. Ah, I'm I'm so happy, man. That's just that warms my heart to hear. So thank you. Um, yeah. oh, that's just tremendous. Um, well, we are Sans GM Dave again this episode. Unfortunately, uh, his little girl's going back to school, um, back to college, and he, they are packing her off and getting her to the airport tonight. Um, he had planned on making it, but at the last minute, things just didn't fall together. So. We wish him luck and uh, and his daughter. So, yay. Yay. But honestly, Phil, I think you and I can tackle this episode just fine. And we have a very entertaining episode, I hope. We got this. We got this. Uh, so, shall we kick it off? Let us, uh, let us get it. <laughs> okay. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. (laughs) 
Announcements. Announcements! Well, so what's up, man? What we got? Well, we love us some variety shows. Yeah? And one of our oldest, The Real Basement Dwellers, entertained us for years before sadly pod fading out. Hmm. But Draconis and the pseudonym are back, baby. <laughs> After completely relaunching the podcast with a new feed, the boys have returned to give us the goodness we know and love. They recently dropped their third new episode, Seven Days to Die, a Pokemon Go story. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. They're joined by special guest host Wheelord as they talk about the latest news in regards to Nintendo, Star Wars, some Grand Admiral Thrawn action, all of which leads to a mini-review of the new augmented reality mobile game that is quite literally sweeping the nation, if not the world. Mm -hmm. It is great to have you guys back. Yeah. And you can find this and many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Word. A few juicy bits of goodness, web-based and otherwise. Um, first, for and foremost, we got to pimp out uh, our very own um, uh, master of social media for uh, the Order 66 podcast, GM Hooley, mm. who produced about 30 uh, character sheets and character aids. Um, that are available actually on the D20 Radio forums. Um, if you head to d20radio.com, you can click on the forums link uh, on the right-hand side of the page or just go to d20radio.com slash forums. And if you can navigate down to the boards for Star Wars by FFG, one of the sub-boards there um, is uh, a board for, for stats and threats. And in there, he's got a huge thread that is just getting all kinds of love in our little community because he's created these incredible... You've seen Hooli's ship sheets, right? Oh, God, yeah, I use them for several of my mods. So he created one with pretty much every silhouette available to him, okay? I mean, from from cargo ships to dozens of snub fighters um, to cap ships. That's just awesome. So they're there, they're beautiful, and with the normal quality he produces, they look like they're professionally designed. And then he's also got a handful of player action aids um, and starship um, combat and action aid, aid sheets as well. Um, truly tremendous work. You guys have got to go check that out. Um, good on you, Huli. Uh, another good bit of web goodness. If I'm not mistaken, we now have a re-announced date for the Rogue One trailer. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was announced on StarWars.com, I believe, today that this Thursday during Olympic coverage will be the next trailer for Rogue One. Dude. I mean, I was a little miffed at not getting it after Celebration. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because they were talking about that, and there were some announcements, but then some people leaked some stuff, I think, so they kind of had a pissy fit. Um, yeah. And at least we did get some new footage. Uh, they did that kind of behind-the-scenes quasi-making-of trailer. Same yeah. thing that they did for, um, Force for Awakens, Episode yeah. 7. Yeah. But So that was kind of at least neat to see. It was cool. It was cool. But I'm anxious to get another proper trailer, um, really get more of a feel of the tone. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Like you've said before, it's the second. The second trailer usually gives you the story. Usually, so usually. we'll see what comes of it. Right. Uh, but it's exciting. And speaking of excitement, um, we have a pretty shallow uh, audience in in our live stream today because <laughs> most of our audience <laughs> is returning from Gen Con, right? <laughs> Um, and uh, I'm very sad I wasn't able to attend Gen Con this year, but yeah, Bre same. Brev, Cat, and Hudson um, all went, uh, and nice. I, I was I was watching Facebook posts with envy. Um, but it's interesting Gen Con. We had some a lot a lot of new stuff announced and released. We did, we did, yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, the Force Awakens beginner game got released. Yep. Uh, thanks for FFG, um, which was really cool. I'm, I'm kind of eager to get a look at that. Uh, also released at Gen Con was Forged in Battle, the Age of Rebellion book all about the soldier. Uh, and it is reportedly chock full of absolute awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on the copy. And uh, as far as the Force Awakens beginner game goes, also between our last podcast and this one, there were actually two articles that went up on uh, FantasyFlightGames.com. Yes. Yes, there were. Yes, uh, there were. Kind of detailing out that beginner game and what it's about. So I I'm, I'm, I'm can't wait to hop down to the FLGS and get my hands on both these titles. Yeah, it's a beginner game. It is what you get. It gets what you get. Um, but it's I'm, episode I'm, seven role-playing stuff, man. I can't, I'm not going to knock that. Don't like, knock, I, knock I, that I, at all, especially since it's going to give us like episode seven stats. And, and scenes and all kinds of other good there, stuff. There, there's a galaxy map in there. Yes. So uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Yes. <laughs> get it. Go get it. Uh, and probably also while you're down there, you'll probably be able to pick up Forged in Battle too, because that's now listing as shipping. Ah. What's available at Gen Con? So that's good. Ah, so. Um, the Fantasy Flight Games in-flight report, which is always a fun time to watch um, and always fun to and in, in, in to go to unsurprisingly did not announce anything new for the role-playing game. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked at all. Um, it's role-playing games are a niche. Um, they're, they get support, but because I, I'm pretty sure that one of the reasons why they're not really announcing anything is, first of all, they don't have another core rule book to announce, um, at least not until they finally decide to make a sort of combined one or whatever the heck they want to do or an episode seven one or whatnot. If they do at all, I don't know. If they, they do at all, I don't, I don't think. think they, I don't think they will. But that's just me. No, and also you, you never know what the books are going to do. I mean, I keep hearing about books that have been in the development phase for like eighteen months because they're still trying to hammer out some things, and other books that fly through and are out in like six or seven after testing. Mm, you know. Yep. So I'm not surprised that they didn't announce that, but they did announce some really cool things. If you are a fan of Fantasy Flight Games and their Star Wars licensed products. Uh, for Armada, they announced the Phoenix Home expansion pack, which is that really neat Rebel Command ship that they had until Vader blew it up at the beginning of Season 2. Uh, the Imperial Light Cruiser, which is that awesome kind of pocket Star Destroyer thing that yeah, we keep seeing yeah. Agent Callus on, and I love that thing, so love I'm going to get myself ship. a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, Rebel Fighter Squadrons 2, which includes Z-95s, E-Wings, the Ghost and that weird Corellian ship that that um, other bounty hunter who knows Sabine was flying. I can't remember the name. It's completely skipping yeah, my memory. But, I know what uh, you're talking about. It was a cool ship, though. It is a cool ship. And Imperial Fighter Squadrons 2, which is the TIE Phantom, my beloved TIE Defender, the Decimator Assault Ship, and the Lambda-class uh, shuttle. Dude, TIE Defenders in Armada. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, they have like a six health, which is, I believe, more than X-Wings. Wow. Or at least maybe it's equal to X-Wings. I don't know, but it's, it's, they're beefy. Yeah, wow. Um, Imperial Assault Love, they announced the next expansion, a whole box set, Jabba's Realm, which includes such fun things as a jetpack stormtrooper and a rancor. <laughs> and, of course, the individual packs for Imperial Assault coming soon are Jabba the Hutt, Jedi Luke Skywalker, an Imperial Stormtrooper, Captain Taro, who is riding a Dubak, and a package of Rebel Rangers, which is what they're calling the Endor Troopers. Bullshooter. Bullshooter. 
And finally, for X-Wing, they announced three ships in Wave 10. Sabine's TIE Fighter, which is basically a TIE Fighter for the Rebel Faction. And it does have that really hot orange and yellow paint job. It's cool. The Upsilon-class shuttle expansion pack for the Empire, which is the, uh, which is the shuttlecraft for Kylo Ren. And it does include a Kylo Ren fig- uh, card. Ooh. And for the Scum Faction, the Quad Jumper, that neat eight-engine thing, uh, not four, sorry, four-engine thing that gets blowed up before they decide, uh, they being Finn and Rey, to take the Falcon. Uh, apparently, the Quad Jumper has an odd backwards movement, too, so that could be kind of hot to play with. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. But that's it for um, for Fantasy Flight Games at Gen Con, um, yeah. as far as Star Wars goes. They did announce a couple of other neat things, uh, something that apparently Fish has been working on for a few months, uh, for a few years, actually. And um, I think it's called Rune Master. Well, not yeah. Rune Master, Rune Quest. Rune like Quest, yeah, it's like another board game. Um, yep. Yeah, very cool, very cool stuff. But you, you guys can find most of these products announced at, at uh, www.fantasyflightgames.com. Yep. Um, more coming up soon. And, and while you're browsing about, you're, of course, going to want to head over to the only gaming blog that never claims to have made the Kessel Run, much less in 12 parsecs, mm. d20radio.com. The best and brightest gaming minds continue to write incredible articles, stat blocks, and fan-generated content for us all to enjoy. Uh, a couple highlights from this past week. Our very own aforementioned GM Hooli treats us to a rather superb article in the Ask a GM series about the pitfalls and delicacies of being a gamer in the land down under. Uh, <laughs> pretty great read. <laughs> and a bit of an angry rant at times. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, why do I have to pay double the cost of the book in shipping? Aye. <laughs> um, right. Uh, very good. But not to be outdone, um, <clears throat> actually, Friday, Dane Simpkins dropped an entirely new entry in the Praxium series, which I don't know if you read that series, Phil, but it, it's de- – well, you don't, you don't need to. <laughs> it's it's devoted to educating the less than expert in Star Wars lore. Sure. Um, and his latest entry, uh, Begun, the Clone Wars has, uh, is, is a great guide and intro for the layman on the ins and outs of that era uh, in the Star Wars chronology. Um, even for the experienced Star Wars junkies out there, there's a lot of goodness to be had in this article. Great stuff, Dan. Great stuff. Um, and you guys can, of course, find more at d20radio.com with daily content posted to tickle your gaming bones. Um, and while you're there, you can uh, find a couple links on the right-hand side of the page at the aforementioned link that takes you to our forums where you can register and post your mind as a part of the Gamer Nation. And, of course, another link takes you to our Patreon site. If you really like the podcast and the network and uh, the content it produces, you can throw a couple bucks a month at us and help keep the servers humming. And most importantly, as we always say, continue to keep our contributing authors paid for the work they contribute. Um, Very, very important. Uh, This community Mm -hmm. lives and breathes because of you all. So thank you. Um, And lastly, stay in the know. Uh, Our social media pages are booming. Uh, you can follow D20 Radio on Facebook for, for news and podcast info and discussion on a daily basis from many of our shows. And, of course, you can also follow the Order 66 uh, podcast page itself for discussion and announcements specifically related to the Order 66 podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at D20 Radio, where we post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. All right, well, I think it's time, Phil, that we stop down and check in with SWRPG Adventures and the most informative 140 characters or less on the internet with SWRPG's Adventure of the Week. Sound good? Let's do it up. I love it.
Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. After an escape pod crash, PCs wake up in a rebel hospital joined by an old friend. But things are a bit off. Is this really the rebellion? This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! I want to write that module now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, you know, it's, 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 it's like it borrows from an old Star Trek plot, man. But it's like, you know, the whole PCs wake up after this crash and... It's could be just this psychological thriller adventure where they start realizing that not everything is as it appears to be. You know what I mean? Something's off. Something's off. You know, and they're you know they're you know secretly being interrogated by the Empire or something, or they have to find out who. I, I don't know. I think that's a great a great idea. Right. Uh, absolutely love it. Okay, I am so excited to get to the meat of our show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> this was a hard one. This was a very hard one. This this was tough, but I think we did it justice. Um, well, let, let's let's get into it, shall we? Sure. Well. So, <laughs> tonight, the Order 66 podcast returns to the uh, uh, listener-loved halls of our recurring Well Isn't That Special segment, where we deep dive into a specific, spectacular specialization, uh, discussing how to best represent and play it in the game, what works with it, what doesn't, and then put our advice into practice with our own build-offs for the spec. Tonight's spec is currently our most requested online, as our listeners have taken to the Order 66 podcast Facebook page and negotiated their way into making it number one. This oddball spec has some very clear focus and some strong abilities, but many players are wondering just how to put these abilities into play, and how best to use them with other character choices and options. Um, This spec is a master of negotiation and a master of money. And crazier still, Phil, legally made money mm-hmm. <laughs> in an Edge of the Empire career. This <laughs> is <just> crazy. <laughs> so fold those wallets tight, Gamer Nation, as we schmooze our way into one of the more interesting face specs in the game and wheel and deal our way through The Entrepreneur tonight on your Order 66 podcast. And what makes you so special? In my book, experience outranks everything. Great kid! Don't get cocky! I'm looking forward to completing your training. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Well, isn't that special? Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. I see you on my radar, don't you act like you were afraid of shit. You know I got it if you want to come get it. Stand next to this money like, hey, hey. I thought that apropos. I I gotta agree with you. <laughs> I gotta agree. 
All right. Entrepreneurs, man. <laughs> uh, t- yeah. G- give me the uh, give me the overview, man. What are we What are we looking at here? All right, folks. We are looking at page twenty six and twenty seven of Far Horizons, the Edge of the Empire colonist source book. The entrepreneur raised some eyebrows with its focus on being a face character, but without the normal trappings of encounter based abilities that other face characters often brandish, like deadly weapons. The entrepreneur is just that. A character who succeeds in the game through negotiation, greased palms, and throwing credits around. They have virtually no in-combat benefits, finding success in social encounters and role-playing checks abilities. Mm. But that really makes this kind of hard to look at as a as a as a primary spec as like you know <laughs> where do you go with this character this character is all about pre-planning and the setup and that sort of thing yeah yeah well so what about okay so I mean, that's the thing what what are they about what do they care about what are we what do we need to think about when we first talk about this character how do we need to set our our players mind frames here what what do they what do they care about money yeah. credits Moolah, dinero, the dough, skins, clams, shimoleons, lettuce, green, scratch, fat loot. Uh, Phil, I believe that's pronounced the fat loot. Oh, I'm sorry, the fat loot. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Out here in the rural boonies, I'm not hip to that jive lingo. <laughs> Folks, this is the only spec that can legally just give you money by the virtue of taking talents. <laughs> And you get a lot of opportunity for it, too. Yeah, you do. You got five ranks of sound investments, which just keeps cash on top of you at the start of each session. Can't knock that. And that money can be spent in creative ways to open doors and make things easier in order to make more money. Money, money, money. Now, the danger of such a character is for the GM, who runs the risk of this character and, by virtue of the party, simply having too much money and buying their way out of any problem. And we'll talk about concrete ways for a GM to mitigate that and to combat it directly. Yeah. But as I was looking over this, Chris, something that just came back to me is like, you know, what does this all mean? I mean, this is the opposite of dealing with the black market where, you know, you got the smuggler and you've got all kinds of other characters who deal in, you know, negotiating the the kind of seedier side of the open market. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal in the in the white market, as it were? Well, it's it's like you say. I mean, well, how is is what players mostly know? I mean, you get stuff and you sell it, right? Right. <laughs> you just you just do it legally. And actually, this is one of the saving graces of this spec. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about this when we talk about GM tips for this too. Mm. Um, but to keep this specialization from becoming far too overpowered. Its primary constraint, and it's very beautifully written in this regard, is the fact that all of its abilities are about legal transactions and deals. Right. Not gun running. No. Not spice dealing. No. <laughs> and, you know, it's, 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 you know, you're going to be, you know, transporting a load of grain or maybe, you know, dealing in real estate or legitimate investments. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And it, it's a much slower go, and it's, it's, a, it's a go that is heavily regulated and monitored by those in charge. Um, which also means it's taxed and other things like that. But, I mean, because of that, it, it creates a certain character archetype that's very different from the scummy underworld trader that you would expect to find Edge of the Empire. This person is typically a white hat, okay? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's your classical capitalist businessman. 
Um, you know, no, I would never deal anything illegal. That's just wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, but at the end of it, this character is all about the money-making. I mean, that, that's yeah. what they do. I mean, at least on face and without some expensive cross-specking, doing so legally. Which is really hard to wrap your mind around of, not just in like a Star Wars game, but in any game, you know? <laughs> Players just aren't used to that. <laughs> no! It's like, okay, so this character is all about my 9 to 5 job. Well, yes! <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, and I have to wonder if that's one one of the reasons why folks have so much of a problem with it, and the fact that you know the, the, you usually get into role playing to escape your nine to five job, to escape the real life. But this char- this is a spec that's built around speculative speculative training and investing and 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 all of that. Yeah, it it it's what it is. Now, interesting though, your goal here though is to play a a, a white hat businessman and and a just a, a money grubbing mogul when you get down to it, right? Right. Um. This also leads to another very interesting uh, thing that it's sort of it, you kind of hinted at at the beginning. For a character like this, blasters are for peasants. <laughs> How eloquently put! <laughs> I mean, blasters are for the help. They're for the help. I have I have people for that. It's <laughs> yes, that's there. There, that's better. That's better than saying it's for the help. So I no, have people for that. Like, no, I have people for that. It's like you're not armed. No, I have people for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, and th- this is another thing that is really goes against t- to your earlier point, Phil, against the grain of what most players are used to in a role playing game, period, is yeah. that rarely will a pure entrepreneur have any kind of combative ability um, or beyond that, any desire to even get into combat. I mean, because of the nature of their abilities, they would prefer to handle things out of encounter in, in an RP sense or, you know, at the very least through a social encounter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's these are, you know, that plus the the legal high ground they take in their business dealings, um, makes a very different character. It's it's almost milk toast. I, I don't I don't know what to, you know what I mean. It's an oddball. It's an <clears throat> absolute oddball. So okay, based on this, I mean, when we when we start digging into character creation now, and we're talking about our, our six characteristics that define the character. What matters for the entrepreneur? Presence. Okay. Negotiation. So negotiation is going to be your, your big motivator. It's going to be your, your – it's what your go-to theme is. So that means you need a high presence. Um, key characteristic for negotiation but also charm and leadership. Um, by far, this should be your best characteristic. No question. Okay. And to be real, you can – Get by with just a high charisma, uh, uh, just a high presence. I mean, uh, unless you're cross-specking, your talents and abilities are pretty much solely focused on negotiation. Yeah. Now, having said that, you will have some powerful talents that apply to any social skill, and thus never a bad idea to pad up a secondary characteristic of cunning, because deception just might come in handy. It may be. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But one of the nice things about the entrepreneur is that they aren't multiple characteristics you, that you need to pad. You can really make a devastatingly effective character with only one strong characteristic. And that's a rare thing in this system. It's rare that I could point and say, hey, you know what? A droid could do this really well. But th- mm. this is one you could. Just pad up your presence. Boom. Crank that sucker to five. Game start and just enjoy. Enjoy. 
<laughs> and honestly, one of the entrepreneur's greatest assets as it leaves a boatload of starting XP to load up on all the talents and skills at game start. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Okay. And speaking of skills, the entrepreneur has just what you'd expect, doesn't it, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a colonist spec. Um, sure. So from a career standpoint, they got your core skills, charm, deception, uh, knowledge core worlds, knowledge education, knowledge lore, um, leadership, negotiation, and streetwise. Now, obviously, negotiation, charm, and leadership, fairly non-negotiable for most entrepreneur builds. Yep. Um, they all key off the one characteristic you should have pumped up anyway, so for Pete's sake, take some free ranks. Sure. Um, as for the fourth free rank, it it's really up to you. <laughs> if you want to focus on intellect, then you've got a goodly number of knowledge skills to pick from. I mean, streetwise is handy too, especially if you've also bumped cunning. Um, <clears throat> but the question is whether you're going to be out there talking to people and doing your streetwise thing or whether you're going to have people for that. Right. Um, <laughs> what's ironic is that as we'll get to one of the talents in this tree is the ability to literally just buy information without even, yeah. without even making a check. Right. <clears throat> so really, it's like you know, pad up your knowledge skills if you just don't feel like spending the money right now. Yeah, pretty much. Otherwise, meh, whatever. Yeah, meh, whatever. Um, so that's the career. Um, now, as far as the specialization goes, the, as an entrepreneur, they've got core skills of discipline, um, knowledge education again, knowledge underworld, and negotiation again. Right. Uh, um, obviously, dude, double up on negotiation, <laughs> okay, totally. if you can. It's what you do, getting two ranks for free, totally on point. Discipline might be quite valuable, especially if you have low willpower. Some ranks can help boost up that pool um, because it, discipline can sometimes defend you in social situations. Yeah, it can. Um, <clears throat> I found Knowledge Underworld to be kind of an odd choice, especially because of the focus on being a legitimate businessman. yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it can kind of come across as it's like saying is if you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of got your – at least got your, uh, your, your, your base knowledges in all avenues of, of marketing. And maybe the knowledge underworld is simply just knowing that, okay, this venture has ties to the underworld that might not be where I want this, this deal to go. And this is another thing, too. You're not a saint as an entrepreneur. Far from it. No. You, you're, you're far, far, far from a saint. You might be refusing to, perhaps for danger's sake or because you're not specialized in it, you might not be selling illegal goods. But especially when you come to talents like Grease Palms, you, that doesn't mean to sell your legally gotten goods legally. You're not going to maybe have some underworld contacts as well. So that's a good right. point. That's a good point, Phil. Okay. Okay. Um, so characteristics, we know presence. Skills, we're pretty good. Um, so let's go into a long review of the dozen or so species we recommend. <laughs> well, no, normally we do that. And we typically do it because there's often a combination of padded stats that you need to have to do well with each spec. But um, not so for the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. As we said, this can be an epic you can have an epic uh, character build with just presence so this means that any high presence species would work well but frankly even a character with a measly two in presence you can toss 30 xp to get it to three and become a highly effective entrepreneur and you've got an extra 40 xp just dump it in there and get it to four Mm -hmm. so any really any species with a starting of two with a starting presence of two and 70 xp at character start you can be a damn effective entrepreneur yep so, honest advice, pick the species that fits your concept thematically. You can pretty much make anything work, work as long as it doesn't have a starting one in presence. 
And sometimes, maybe even then. Uh, maybe even then. Even then. Well, just to completely spin the, you know, spin the perceptions there. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, so that was a quick species talk. Yay. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes sense. You saved 20 minutes right there. Boom. Uh, let's dig into the meat of the tree then. Let's talk about our entrepreneurial, our entrepreneur archetypes. Because you know, as we do, we're, we're going to break out the entrepreneur's talents into a set of archetypes that at least thematically group its talents into meaningful discussion points. Now, with the entrepreneur, there are no direct lines for these archetypes. These talents are literally spread across both sides of the tree, and it's nearly impossible to go just one route. Yeah, but they really don't make it easy for you to try to cross over either. No, they don't. Um, so, you know, but again, these distinctions are still going to help us think about the spec better. Sure. But outside of those two archetype distinctions, there are, of course, a couple talents that really don't fall into either archetype, um, or perhaps they just benefit both of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, let's start with toughened. Mm. Uh, there's a sole rank of toughened appearing, but it's wicked expensive. Yeah. 20 XP. Yeah. But it can be very much a nice-to-have talent, but it's not essential. And it's also good that you could totally bypass it if you didn't want it. You can, yes. Um, dedication. Duh! We know where you're going to be putting that po- uh, that stat up. Derp. <clears throat> uh, and intense focus, which is just wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a bottom-tier talent, but it's incredibly powerful because it's not limited. You upgrade the next check you make at the cost of a maneuver and one strain. Negotiation, charm, deception, sure, but also ranged heavy, athletics, astrogation, piloting, survival, any skill check. The talent really goes a long way to making sure a focused specialization can be good at damn near anything. I am so impressed with intense focus because it's not once per session. Nope. It's not once per encounter. Nope. It is a maneuver and one strain, and just upgrade the next check you make. And I think the reason why it's allowed to do it anytime is because it does have a very definitive cost, that one strain. But it's also not ranked. So it's not like you're going to have someone who's going to be dumping three strain, upgrade the next check three times or totally. anything like that. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I, 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 don't, think it's under, I don't think it's overpowered. No. Um, I just think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, intense focus, dedication, tough, and they're obviously going to apply to both these archetypes. Sure. Um, but our first archetype is the checkbook. Yes. Um, so at its core, the entrepreneur is about money, making it, hoarding it, earning it. And it offers a series of unique talents that not only just, as Phil said earlier, give you free money, um, but also let you earn more money from regular business transactions than the rest of your plebeian ilk would. Hmm. Um, and this starts, as you said, man, with sound investments. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, oddly, it's not even like... It, it, you do have a rank at bottom tier, but this is, this is probably the signature talent for this tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it has five ranks spread throughout the tree, one at each level. Mm-hmm. Um, and each rank just gives you 100 free credits at the start of each session. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here, here, uh, it's it's just in your account. I mean, free money is nice. Um, it reminds me of the noble back in the <clears throat> D twenty days, back in Saga Edition. That's what it reminds me of, man. It's 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 very similar. 
Um, now, if you just have a single rank in this thing, 100 credits might not seem like much, but realize that just a single rank of sound investments can thus power some of the other talents that you have, like greased palms or throwing credits that are covering the next archetype, without any extra effort on your part. Right. So <clears throat> it's very worthwhile to at least have a rank in this. And heck, try and get it all the way up there. 500 credits a session. Cool. You can't go wrong with that. You want to talk about sound investments, that's a sound investment of your XP. Extremely sound investment of your XP. Um, another good one is uh, part of the checkbook archetype is wheel and deal. you got two ranks on either side of the tree at 10 XP each. Um, each rank earns you 10% more profit on a legal transaction, basically. I mean, okay. <laughs> right? Right. Um, after that, we have Master Merchant, which is a really, really useful and versatile talent. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, suffer a couple strain, and you can get a 25% boost on a sale, or a 25% cut on a purchase you make, or pay off one more or take one less obligation when taking or paying off obligation. <laughs> um, and does it stack with wheel and deal? Of course it stacks with wheel and deal. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, so if you've got a couple ranks in Wheel and Deal, and then you throw in Master Merchant, man, you could be looking at a, a 45% boost in your sale of any legally gotten item. Um, that's just tremendous. Yeah. Um, and then capping off the checkbook archetype, Natural Merchant, uh, which you kind of expect from a tree like this, uh, once per session reroll of negotiation or streetwise, because, yeah, it's what you do. Shake that money maker. Um, right. <laughs> And stand next to this money like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so that's the checkbook, and it's all about money. What's our next archetype? The silver tongue. Yeah. You silver tongue devil. It's the other side of the entrepreneur. It's about social encounters and or using your entrepreneur skills to open doors. The entrepreneur really shines in this arena with stuff like plausible deniability. You only get one rank of it, which makes sense for the white hat entrepreneur, but it's still handy and stupid cheap at 5 XP. Word. Grit and rapid recovery. Boosting your strain threshold and strain recovery not only powers some of your talents, but makes you more survivable in social encounters. Remember that in an av your average social challenge, you're taking strain. As the first person to, br to exceed their strain threshold usually loses. Yup. Uh, and if your GM is particularly um, cruel or perhaps just simply likes to write adventures that way, a back-to-back -back negotiation social encounter session having rapid recovery can be huge. Or a social negotiation encounter that turns into a combat encounter, you don't want to be down on your strength threshold. Nope. Greased Palms, we've mentioned before. It's only one rank, again, fitting the whole white hat, but you can use that rank to drop a measly 50 credits to upgrade any social check you're about to make. Any social check. <gasps> yep. Any. any. Now, it does have to be in a social interaction, so it's not like you can use it to, you know, before you, like, activate, if you happen to be cross-spec that way, um, scathing tirade or... Um, Oh, God, I'm blanking on what the good version is that is. Uh, uh, inspiring Rhetoric. Inspiring Rhetoric, thank you. Because that's, that's not a social interaction. That's, that's a combat check, effectively. But any check, any negotiation, deception, charm, all of it. Grease palms. Throwing credits. 
This is a solid talent. I love this talent. It really is good. Is that obligation getting to you? Are you suffering that strain penalty from a trigger? No more! You're so loaded you can toss 100 credits and just ignore that strain penalty for the encounter. Um, actually, no, it's not the encounter. It's the session. Yeah, the whole entire session. The entire session. Spend 100 credits, ignore the strain threshold penalty, which is great, I mean, for you. <laughs> it, is, it is great for you. Also, and Phil, on note on, on greased palms, um, yes. uh, you, could, you could use it to do um, inspiring rhetoric or um, skidding tirade as long as you're using those talents in a social encounter. Oh, true, true. I, you're right. I had keep, thought of that. I, keep, I, I keep in keep... mind. In, in combat, of course not. But keep that in mind. Right, but if you are you true, if you are using them in a social negotiation situation or a like a courtroom or 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 interacting with some local ruler that sort of thing, absolutely grease palms. Yeah. Okay, so throwing credits, I love it too, and yep. I, well, it's no it's it's no consequences, which is <laughs> no, just no credits, no thank you. No, no, that doesn't matter to me. Because why? Because I'm rich. <laughs> oh, what's that? Roll the double. Would be down uh, four on my strand threshold. Nah, here's a hundred credits. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you guys are screwed, but I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> now the next one is bought info, which is a fascinating talent. Uh, basically, if you suck at knowledge skills and you need to know something, well, you have people for that. <laughs> Throw fifty credits per rank of difficulty, and you don't even need to make the check. GM just hit you with a formidable knowledge lore check. Oh, here's 250 credits. I have someone for that. I succeed with one success. Yeah. <laughs> 250 credits to deal with a formidable knowledge check. Let that sink in. <laughs> now, you're not going to get any additional or, or, or bonus information or stuff like that because you're not getting like a possibility of advantages or, or, or triumphs, but <clears throat> success is success. <laughs> Just, here's 250 credits, so tell me what I need to know about this formidably obscure topic. <laughs> it's, it's staggering. <laughs> and it's only a 30 XP investment into the tree, too, if you go that way. Yeah. Uh, and finally, under the silver tongue is know somebody. Rounding out this archetype is a talent that just reflects your business contacts, letting you reduce the rarity rank of a legally purchased item by one. Per rank. Handy. Very handy. Very handy. Okay. So that is the entrepreneur's focus. The checkbook, the silver tongue. Got it. Right. Now, very rarely in the system are you going to stick with one spec. You can do it. You'd be quite happy in it. Any medic will tell you. But there's a lot of cross-spec glory going on in this game. And the entrepreneur would be... Well, we, we'd be neglectful if we didn't uh, talk about this, huh? Yeah, it, it's a spec that really is about leveraging cash and charisma just to get deals to go your way. I mean, whether you're, whether you're dealing with commodities or information, um, this spec is going to really pair well with other specs that can take advantage of that superior negotiating position. Right. Um, so... You know, it's like going through the, the entire line of books, guys, and, and, and because we just can't anymore. There's too many specializations. Sure. Where we used to go through every single spec and be like, good, bad, fair, no, okay. Yeah, every career. Every career. Um, we're going to highlight just some really good choices for you and then some really bad choices. <laughs> um, so, Phil, talk to me about the good, man. I mean, what, what works, Bill, here? What, what, what things are going to augment 
the uh, the entrepreneur the best? Well, the first one is kind of a duh spec, and that's quite simply the trader. Yeah. Um, these two specs were practically made to pair off with each other. And you can end up with five ranks of wheel and deal. Uh, all, you, all you'll need are the commodities to exploit that 50% bonus for selling goods legally. Four ranks of know somebody makes it easier to find what you want on the open market. Plus, you can pick up Master Merchant for 5 XP cheaper in Entrepreneur and skip over it to get to dedication faster in the trader. Word. Uh, another good spec that it tears off quite well with is, matching it up with the Silver Tongue idea, is the Charmer Yeah. from the Smugglers. With Smooth Talker, Congenial, and just kidding, these talents can pair off well when you're utilizing your negotiation, charm, and deception to make a deal. Really good for those multi-stage social encounters. Where, Very good for those. Where it's not, Very ju- good for yeah, those. where it's not just negotiation and the GMs. Okay, I need you to make some negotiation. All right, now I need you to charm and give me some. You need to lie about this. I mean, yeah, you can really be a rounded face with this. For when you're making those those like plot uh, plot advancing negotiation yeah, checks, exactly. Jumping over to the red books, quartermaster. The military version of the trader, and another spec where you'll end up with an obscene number of ranks and some talents. Quartermaster has two ranks of know somebody and two ranks of sound investments. So you'll end up, you can end up with seven ranks of sound investments. <laughs> uh, two ranks of smooth talker in Quartermaster can simply help the entrepreneur with any negotiation. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good combo. One of the oddball ones that I found. Desperate Allies, the Analyst. Yeah? This, this pairing can get kind of funky. Bought Info allows the entrepreneur to succeed at a knowledge check with one net success for 50 times the difficulty in credits. Analyst has valuable facts, which you make an average knowledge check, which, if you succeed, allows you to add a triumph to one ally's skill check during that encounter. With Improved Researcher, the character and allies gain one advantage per rank of Researcher on checks made based on the facts discovered with a knowledge check. So, for 100 credits, you could give an ally a triumph on a check, and everyone gets advantage, uh, depending on how many ranks of Researcher you have, for any time they try to do something that leverages the information they learned. Oh, wow. And remember... It was clarified on our show, if it was Sam or, or, or Andy or one of them, but it was clarified that when an ability grants a triumph result, you get the success along with the triumph result. Right. It's as if you had rolled that triumph. As if you'd rolled it. Very interesting. Very so that, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was looking for some oddball combo like that, and by God, I found one. Now, obviously, it's not, uh, it's not as, like... This is a great combo. It's not yeah. as versatile as using those analyst talents. I mean, because like I, I've I've run two analysts at this point. Sure. Um, and it's like you know, in the middle of combat, I could make a check every other round as the circumstances change. Mm-hmm. You obviously couldn't couldn't use um uh uh the um oh the hundred credits uh we just bought info bought info. You obviously couldn't use bought info like that in the middle of combat. But you could certainly use it before the encounter starts as you're preparing. Well, I, 
see, well, I agree that you can't use it multiple times during it, but I could honestly pair that off with the same way that you could like flip a destiny point and say, "Boy, it's a good thing we did this back at the uh, good thing we did this back at the station." You know? Absolutely, I would totally allow that, and I could see a cinematic moment too, where like once during that encounter, it's like you get on your comm and you're calling your old buddy Gree, <laughs> like Gree, buddy. What, what is that blaster fire? No, no, it's all cool, man. Hey, hey, um, do you remember that Mark Seven uh, AutoCAD suit you worked on last year? Yeah, do you, can you tell me about the weak points on that, dude? That's <laughs> classified. Come on, man. How about a hundred credits? <laughs> I can totally see you that happening. Come up with it. You can come up with it. I can justify using it, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Dude, that's a great pairing. I absolutely love that. I, I I have a sneaking suspicion I'm gonna find this in your build, Phil. Yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. Right now, I found a really odd pairing. Okay. Um, the technician specs. Yes. Um, this might sound unusual, but the droid tech, which we actually recently covered in episode 78, is a superb choice strictly for the sound investment talents. Yes. Free money. Free money. What did we talk about when we talked about droid tech? The problem is you don't have enough money to make all your little droid buddies, right? Correct. Well, each session you can just start with some free credits <laughs> that you right? can put towards your droid builds. Um, uh, other tech specs that also focus on weapon attachments and modding them can also benefit in much the same way. Right. Um, realize, though, there, there is horrible synergy between characteristics and talents pretty much everywhere else in these two build types yeah. okay but but it's the money making talents of the entrepreneur can still serve to give your techie uh the, the equipment or the robotic army he's seeking much much faster and easier so it might be more of a sense of much less of an entrepreneur cross specking into a technician um spec uh, more so the a, a say a droid tech crossing into entrepreneur just to get those sound one or two of those sound investment talents yeah um but even then, I think that's a, a great combo. It is. It absolutely is. So, that's the good. <laughs> so, what's, what does this spec pair poorly with? Uh, pretty much everything we haven't talked about. Um, <laughs> look, there, there, there are some specs that aren't horrible. I mean, social-based specs like the Politico and the Smuggler um, can actually bring some interesting options. Um, oh, yeah, the scoundrel, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's correct. Um, there, there is some decent cross compatibility with the skills of the two classes, and um, again, as we said, the technical based specs are, are are decent for for the ease of selling your wares and also creating them through the use of of of, of those money making talents you have, um, like sound investments. But at the same time, as as I just said, there there is at least on face between other talent and skill and characteristic combinations a pretty poor clash. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, <clears throat> here's what you need to avoid: pure combat specs. Okay. Um, there really just aren't any opportunities for overlap with anything like the Marauder, the Assassin, the Heavy, the Soldier, similar specs. There's just there's no. It's yuck. Okay. There's nothing. It's just a weird combo too. It, it's a very weird combo. And strangely enough, despite the fact that you're a high presence character, leadership based specs typically are not going to serve you well. Um, most of what you can use uh, entrepreneur talents for just isn't going to cross well with specs like the Commodore, the Tactician, or the Instructor. Not only do the talents not mesh, but it just doesn't make sense thematically. Mm. I mean, I'm, 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 I mean, Akbar's, Akbar doesn't have an investment business on the side, okay? No. <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. 
Um, <clears throat> and then with that, possibly the worst, I mean, literally, there is not a single specialization in all of Force and Destiny that I would recommend. Not one. Yeah. All, yeah. all horrible, horrible choices. I mean, the Sage, like, granted, lets you do the valuable facts trick. You can, like, pull with, pull like, with, like you did with Entrepreneur Analyst, you know? Sure. And, yeah, Advisor gets you two ranks of know somebody. Um, you know, both those Force and uh, F&D specs give you uh, two ranks of smooth talker for negotiation. But, I mean, th- that's... That's it. And the the cross clash you have between characteristics and other skill usage, it's not even worth it. Um, yeah. Plus, those talents are so buried in the tree for the cost. Yeah. Um, the entrepreneur just does not mesh well with the force. It, it just doesn't. I mean, could you could you use, you know, uh, some some mind tricky style abilities, perhaps if you are force sensitive? Absolutely. But for the XP expenditure, it would take you to get there. You could pump negotiation so high that it wouldn't matter. Sure. Um, so I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where we are there. So, yeah, the good, the bad. So that's the player side of the of the. Uh, I would say of the screen, but most of us don't use a screen anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have a I have a uh, actually a twenty inch screen right here. Oh yes, 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 yes. That screen usually. Right on. <laughs> so what about? GMing an entrepreneur. Yeah, okay. Um, we got to talk about this. We've only done this a couple times, um, but this is one of those times. Sometimes we're, we have to talk about GMing the spec because sometimes you have a spec that has serious potential to danger or derail a GM's campaign just due to its innate abilities and the guile of our normal player. Um, and the entrepreneur can do this if you let it. So it's important to take a moment to talk about some of the major problems that you might encounter with a strong entrepreneur in the party, and then some concrete tips for the GM to mitigate that. All right. Um, <clears throat> so our first, our first problem here is what I call buying your way out of trouble. Sure, and, but this spec is really designed just to do that. It is. <clears throat> I mean... There is a legitimate danger that a good entrepreneur, though, can try to solve an entire session with a well-placed bribe or a single check. So what is a GM to do to combat this, Phil? Well, first off is use the incorruptible. Mm. Now, Imperial officers are notoriously slimy pricks. (laughs) Yes. However... Imperial stormtroopers are notorious for their imperial conditioning that makes them immune to attempts to bribe, turn, or sway them. Use this. Uh, Conversely, a threat with a moral high ground, such as the Rebel Alliance, can reasonably be so offended by a bribe that it just won't work. Yeah, yeah. Moral high ground and all that. Um, Also, um, Chris, you can use the law. Yeah. One of the reasons that this spec is so well written is that it deals with, as we've said, legally gotten gains. That means that without clever cross-specking, at which point they've sacrificed XP to balance out this tactic, your entrepreneur is going to have little special expertise in dealing with the black market, the underworld, criminal syndicates, or illegal goods. If you use the black market as a focal point, the entrepreneur is going to have much less of an easy time dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, don't do this every session, right? No, no, no. But these are but, 
challenge them. Challenge them. And these are these two things are easy tactics that you can you can use on occasion to prevent your entrepreneurial character from trying to buy their way out of the problem easily. Right. Okay. Um, what's our next, uh, it, it's not a, nowhere near as big of an issue, but it's kind of the other issue that we really should touch on here with the entrepreneur. The bodyguard fallacy. Mm. As we've discussed, a pure entrepreneur is a cream puff in combat. They have precisely zero combative ability. Yeah. This means that they need people, i.e. the party, to protect them. And they'll likely have zero desire to get into any hairy situation in the first place. So don't let them. <laughs> don't beat them over the head with it, but forcing an entrepreneur in a, into a physical combat situation can be extremely challenging. Um, bodyguards can be turned. <laughs> yes, they can. Or reprogrammed. The whole incorruptible and moral high ground doesn't work with hired help. Not typically, no. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there are occasionally those people out there who, who are mercenary enough that, you know, I don't screw a contract once I've taken it. I don't take a higher amount. But that's not everybody. No, no. Um, and also, relying on a party means endearing them to you by, say, giving them lots of your fat loot <laughs> to kit themselves out. Being generous can go far towards endearing your, your, your shipmates to you. Yeah, it it absolutely can. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, <laughs> and you can kill two birds with one stone with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not only can you uh, make that character spend his wealth in ways that are not uh, trying to solve the problem with cash, but then there you're creating inner party dynamic that's really positive and beneficial to the overall game group. Right. So. Um, really quick, I want to call an audible. Hooli brought up something interesting in chat. Um, mm -hmm. We don't normally talk about uh, signature abilities sure. when we talk about this because they're they're so, well, quite frankly, really hard to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and we never get to them in our build-offs because we have a 100 XP limit. <laughs> right. But it is worth noting, and he brought this up in chat, I think it's really worth calling out. Um, the uh, Diplomat's signature ability for Age of Rebellion uh, Desperate Allies source book. Yep. Um, diplomatic Solution. Really concrete positive fit here as well um that's the one where you can spend two destiny points make a four purple charm check and you can turn a combat encounter into a social encounter uh, yes <laughs> that one <laughs> that one um you know obviously you know you're, you're gonna have high presence and if you bump up some charm and as you're moving towards this and obviously then you need to cross spec into some type of desperate allies character and spend the majority of your xp there to get down to this signature ability right um uh, you know, it, for for your diplomat character uh, choice, but you know, if you get there, it could be a really nice synergy. Sure, yeah. Good catch, Willie. Good suggestion. Okay, well, we talked about this spec. We've talked about Phil, uh, how to play it, what to care about, how our talents sit, skill choices, characteristic choices, species choices. Right. We've talked about how to GM it successfully and overcome some of those problems. Sure. Would you like to put our advice into some practice? Let's put it to the test. All right, guys, we're going to move into our much-loved build-off. Um, so Phil and I are going to go head-to-head -head with our own entrepreneur builds, which you will be able to vote for after the show um, on the D20 Radio forums and on the Order 66 Podcast Facebook page. Um, our rules are simple. Each of us creates a starting character using the normal rules and advances that character 
then with 100 earned XP. And we either have to start in or cross spec into the entrepreneur. Um, and of course, highlighting what you can do with the entrepreneur. Right. So, <clears throat> dude, I'm completely in love with your build and I want to make it. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you want to go first? Sure, sure. I'll go first. Um, I, I'm going to admit it, Gamer Nation. This was really hard for me to come up with. <laughs> I, I spent most of this week trying to figure out what to do for this build, and this is what I came up with. I came up with Adro the Outcast. Adro was a rising star in a minor hut Kajidic, one who was poised to make a name for himself and greatly increase the prominence of his clan. Several other huts recognized the danger that Adro presented and combined their efforts against not only Adro, but his entire Kajidic. They leaked information about the Kajidic's business dealings to the Empire through third parties, which resulted in staggering losses for Adro's clan holdings and status. One of the hut clans made a gracious offer to absorb Adro's clan into their own. Most of the clan accepted, but Adro refused. For his refusal, he was ostracized from his new Kajidic, much to the enjoyment of those who conspired against him. Adro knew the other hut, what the other huts did and vowed to take revenge upon them. His weapon of choice? The Rebellion. He would offer his skill and expertise as a knowledgeable businessman, investor, and market speculator to the Rebellion and steer those actions to cause losses against the holdings of his enemies. Okay, can I pause you? Sure. That right there is the most amazing backstory I've ever heard to bring a hut. And you can apply this to so much more than an entrepreneur. Sure. Into a, you know, good guy, rebellion-focused game. That is the most awesome thing I've ever freaking heard. Yeah, I think this is going to have to be a backstory for, for, for something. Either a module and a pre-gen character or a, a character of my own later on. But yeah, this is how you get huts into rebellion, folks. <clears throat> wow. So, yeah, we start as a hut. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with the obligation. Uh, I'm taking the obligation a score to settle. Adro was wronged and exiled from his clan. In fact, his clan was absorbed into one of the larger hut Kajidics, effectively obliterating his clan. For that, Adro has vowed vengeance. Since his exile, he doesn't have a lot, of, a lot to work with, which is fine. He'll get money off his sound investments and build a new fortune from there. I'm taking the full plus 10 obligation for plus 10, plus 10 XP. Because God, do I need it. <laughs> career, starting in the entrepreneur. Staking career skills of charm, deception, negotiation, and streetwise. And spec skills of knowledge, underworld, and negotiation. Let's face it, he's a hut. He's going to have knowledge of the underworld. He's going to have knowledge of the seedier side, even if that isn't where his market speculation is going to go. Right. If anything, he's going to need those two skills to find out which of his legitimate business investments would negatively affect his enemy's holdings. Amen. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, characteristics. Um, I could have bought his presence up to four. I could have. But I've been, I would have been down 10 XP off of other things in the build. So what I decided to do instead is I wanted to buy at least presence up to three, and I also wanted to have his cunning up to three. It, it also just sort of fit this character of a whole, I'm going to be devious and playing the long game and be perceptive and that sort of thing. That just screamed cunning to me. So, and also, there's a lot, there is going to be a fair bit of deception with this character. So having a good cunning is important as well. 
But that, that's 60 XP, so that leaves me with 20 left over. 10 from the starting 70 for a hut, 10 from my obligation. For talents, I pick up two ranks of sound investments and one rank of rapid recovery for 20 XP. All of my starting XP is now spent. Motivation. You don't do this too much, but I like to add this in from time to time. Yeah. His motivation is revenge. Adro wants revenge. While his obligation will sometimes put strain on his patience, Adro knows that he's playing a long game. He looks forward to the day he can watch the destruction of his enemies with proper planning, the disillusion of their own clans. So that's him at 100 XP. Uh, sorry, that's him at starting XP. Yeah. Now, for the bonus 100 for that our build-offs generally allow for, here's how I'm going to advance him. In Entrepreneur, I'm going to buy up his leadership by one more rank, and I'll get to why in a minute. Rapid recover, a second rank of Rapid Recovery, and I'm buying Bought Info. Because, as Chris mentioned earlier, I am, in fact, going to go the Analyst route with this guy as well. Very nice. So, Analyst for 30 XP, because it's cross-class and out of career, Going to buy Researcher for 5, Valuable Facts for 10, another rank of Researcher for another 10, and Improved Researcher for 15. I really like that Entrepreneur-Analyst combo. And the ability to just drop 100 credits and give allies triumphs and boost and, um, and um, advantages, I'm sorry, not boost dice, advantages, for an encounter is mint. Yeah. This build starts to develop Andro as a social, as a solid social character, able to charm, deceive, or intimidate the opposition when need be. Now, I picked up a rank in leadership because it just felt that if this guy's joining the rebellion and he's becoming such a social character, that having a rank in leadership just makes sense for the development of this guy. He's getting into situations where he might be assigned uh, troops, or not troops, but a team. And that would require a leadership. You know, he, he can't do everything himself. That's kind of the point of the entrepreneur. So having a rank of leadership sort of gives him that, uh, that as a consequence of just advancing in, in the alliance and, and, and furthering his, uh, basically furthering his career within them. That's awesome. What made you think to go this route, man? I originally the thought I had was to do this character who ran afoul of the empire and decided to fight the empire the way the only way he knew how by investing by investing in the other side. So I kind of hemmed and hawed and went back and forth and it was I really didn't know what how I was going to track it because as I was looking through entrepreneur deeper I'm like oh wow this is all like legitimate. So I can't be like a gun runner. I can't be like you know, a weapons dealer or anything like that. That doesn't make sense. That was my first thought. Like, do a, be, a, be a weapons broker. I'm like, okay, no, that's not going to work. So it wasn't until I found that analyst combo that I finally figured out. I'd figured out by then, okay, I want to do a hut because that's just a solid starting point. Obviously entrepreneur, but what's that pairing? What, how, how is this guy going to leverage his ability? And I just like that combo, the analyst combo. He's, he doesn't have a lot to work <clears throat> with. He's lost everything. So he's endearing himself to the alliance by getting them knowledge, getting them, um, getting them resources, getting them legitimate stuff like you know uh, food and 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 clothing and, and medical stuff supplies, like that yeah, for their safe worlds. And that is allowing him to get more money, get in better with the alliance, and then he can start really spending money and saying, hey, you know, if we go after this, 
you know, while 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 doing this trade with, with you know, to get these supplies, the the guy that I was talking with, um, he let me know that the Empire was actually on their world and they were developing this new um, uh, weapons factory where they're making blaster rifles. We could probably hit that, you know. And he hmm. gave me all this other information, or I can contact him when we're on the world and you know get a little more up to date stuff and and really help this uh, help this uh, uh, this raid go off without a hitch. Dude, it's a great concept. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Very well done. I'm really interested to hear what you brought to the table. <laughs> um, I did something a little interesting and unusual. Um, okay. So my build, <clears throat> his name is uh, Drafont Rumpf, or Drumpf, as he's commonly known. Um, okay. And Drumpf is a real estate magnate determined to enter the arena of politics at any cost. So, oh, dear. Drumpf was born with a bit of a silver spoon in his mouth. He, he comes from a family of entrepreneurs, and he soon found success in galactic real estate, even gaining some notoriety from a series of books and really lowbrow holonet shows showcasing the art of the entrepreneur. Um, but after a string of failed marriages and allegations of shady business practices, Drumpf has decided that what he needs is political power, and he's determined to enter that arena of politics as only he can by working his competition out of the deal. <laughs> So I, All right. I really wanted to showcase how versatile this spec is by actually breaking one of my own rules and showcasing a character actually with incredibly low presence. All right. Um, he's a character that relies heavily on skill ranks to combat his innate deficiencies. Um, and all that, plus the appearance of the character I have in my mind, led to one inescapable species choice, the Shevin. Um. <laughs> Ungainly, notoriously unattractive and vile, and yet have a history of strong negotiation capability, letting their circumstances overcome their innately low presence and just overall unlikability. Now, the Shevin, they only start with 80 XP and a 1 in presence, but they make up for that with a free rank of negotiation. And still, despite those drawbacks, the entrepreneur's somewhat unique capacity for success with low characteristic XP expenditure will still allow me to make a great character with this species. So, Drump is an entrepreneur politico. Not only will he have to save XP by staying in career, which is great, but it provides him easy access to coercion and the scathing tirade talent trees. His breakout into politics has focused on smearing his competition and playing to his constituents' anger. So this is just definitely the way to go for Trump. So starting character... Obligation. Um, to start with, Drumpf has some very strong obligation that's coming directly from the Far Horizon source book, Philanderer. Uh, despite his appearance, his financial success has drawn numerous wives to him, usually incredibly beautiful creatures from far-flung areas of the galaxy. But his hyperactive ego and his wandering eye are typically too much for them, and to date he has three ex-wives eager to see his head on a platter. <laughs> I am going to max out his obligation for plus 10 XP because I'm going to need it. So he's going to start in the colonist's entrepreneur, and as a Shevin, he gets a free rank in negotiation, and he can't go higher than two at character creation, so this kind of informs my free skill rank choices. Um, so career skills, I'm going to pick charm, deception, leadership, and streetwise. Spec skills, discipline, and then negotiation, getting me to rank two there. No knowledge skills. Drump isn't interested in knowing things. He has people for that. <laughs> now, characteristics, here's where it gets a bit rough. With this obligation, Drumpf has 90 XP to spend, but I'm not going to buy up his presence. Again, he's going to rely on skill ranks for success. He has a very low presence of just one. 
Um, he's also going to immediately, during character creation, bind to Politico for only 20 XP. Uh, this gives him needed access to coercion and the scathing tirade talents. And I want to dip heavy into, into skills and talents, so I need that XP. So, no characteristic bumps with XP. Wow, okay. With his remaining 70 XP that he's got now, Drumpf will buy two ranks of coercion for 15. That leaves me 55 left for the rest of my creation. Then, in Entrepreneur, he's going to grab Sound Investments for 5 XP, then Rapid Recovery and Wheel and Deal for 10 XP each, then Greased Palms for 15. Drumpf always has money at his fingertips, and he's used to throwing it around to make people like him. Get me? Oh, yeah. Only 15 XP left now. He's going to throw that at Politico, getting another rank in Plausible Deniability, and then Scathing Tirade for 15 XP. At this point, at the end of character creation, Drumpf is a highly effective character. He's able to earn more money than his competition on the average deal, have a bit of a trust fund nest egg to draw on each session, and he can throw cash around to make his deals easier to accomplish, and then flat out threaten or lie about his competitors to make them back down. He's only got a yellow-green pool for negotiation, but he sits on greased palms to make his deals go through easier, getting of himself a yellow-yellow pool. However, his yellow-green-green deception pool and his natural yellow-yellow coercion pool are his biggest tactics. He prefers to discredit or beat down his competition. Scathing tirade is key here. This is his go-to tactic against his opponents. And regardless of how absurd his claims might be, plausible deniability lets him sell it better, even more so if he has greased palms beforehand. Motivation for Drumpf, ambition, power. Uh, Drumpf has realized that wealth isn't enough. The only way to continue to feed his ego is to gain authority over other people, and politics is his mean to that end. Now let's advance Drumpf. With 100 earned XP, Drump is going to focus on improving his money-making skills, but also to getting to improved scathing tirade. This means that 40 more XP in Politico nabs another much-needed rank for him in plausible deniability. Well-rounded and improved scathing tirade. As Drump really starts to enter the political arena in the galaxy, he's going to need, to imp- he's going to need improved scathing tirade to impose setback dice on his opponents during a social encounter. He realized long ago, it's not about how good you are, but how bad you can make your competition out to be. Well-rounded will be used to grab permanent career skills of perception and resilience. He's never actually going to take ranks in them, but what's important is to tell his supporters that these are things he has expertise with. (laughs) His last 60 earned XP will be spent pumping his money-making and boosting his skill ranks. A third rank in both coercion and negotiation for 30 XP are essential. It's going to bring those pools up to yellow, yellow, green, and yellow, green, green, respectively. A second rank in deception for 10 is something he's found essential to the nuances of politics. That leaves only 20 XP left, which takes us back to entrepreneur. 5 XP for rapid recovery and 15 for throwing credits ensures he'll be able to bounce back from any social damage his opponents deal him and could simply toss money about to ignore the long-term effects of his obligation whenever it comes up in this deadly political arena. So that's Drumpf. Um, The entrepreneur-political combo I think is a pretty devastating one. Um, To be true to my concept, I went with Shevin. Uh, but honestly, if a character were to go Twi'lek or Bothan, they could be a truly devious opponent. Um, but the idea of using your entrepreneurial talent here to avoid consequences, while at the same time focusing all attention on your business and political opponent's flaws, I think is a truly deadly combination. Um, wow. So that's Trump. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Um... 
hilarious tongue in cheek what what, uh, what, what, what theme aside what are you talking about um no you're right this this is a sick combination oh yeah totally <laughs> what a devious little pachyderm <laughs> Wow, I got some competition this week. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, guys, those are our builds for the entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> again, you guys can find uh, there's actually actually a Survey Monkey that's up right now, thanks to GM Hooley on the Order sixty six podcast Facebook page. You can vote for your preferred build, and of course, uh, you can head over to the D twenty Radio forums at d20radio.com/forums, where you can uh, also find a dedicated thread for this particular episode eighty one, and you can also vote there if you would like. Indeed. Um, very good suggestion, guys. Entrepreneur was a lot of fun to tackle. Um, it's a really oddball spec, and I, I just had an absolute ball figuring out a way to uh, really make it uh, shine in the game. So, good, good stuff. I dig these challenges. I mean, this one was, you know, I, I think back to the, the Beast Rider and how I had to hem and haw about how to make that enjoyable, but this is another one of those challenging specs that, okay, how do I make this character and make it fun for me? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Very well done. Very well done. We have you thank Gamer Nation. Yes, yes, we do. So keep it coming. And with that, I think it's time for this. He doesn't seem to take a hint. This guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. And how, Phil, can people get us their questions? Well, the easiest way is to head over to our forums and post it up. Head to www.d20radio.com slash forums, register, and head to the Order 66 podcast boards where you will find the Messages from the Edge thread. You can also email your questions to us at gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, and gmphil at d20radio.com. Also, if you are brave enough, you can leave us a question via the voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. Word. We have two questions tonight. Um, in the interest of time, we actually blew through um, that talk a lot faster than I thought we would. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, so we probably could have fit a third question in, but I'm not prepped for it. And we do have some in the wings, which is fine. That's fine. Um, but two good questions tonight. Uh, what do we got first, man? Well, our first question tonight comes from Sirith about the precise strike talent in the Warden Tree. This is in Keeping the Peace. My question is this. While it is very clear that the first paragraph refers to engaged range combat and not ranged weapons, the second half of the talent is not so clear and does not specify any qualifier for the type of weapon. So does this work for ranged weapons also? And if it works for ranged, does it work for gunnery as well? I can see someone being precise enough to be non-lethal with even a heavy rifle, but shooting someone with a TIE fighter is another thing although it does call out that it is possible, even in circumstances, to make it impossible. Thanks for listening, and of course, I never listen. Well, thank you, Sarath. Um, so the talent he's referring to is the Warden's Precision Strike talent uh, from page 31 of Keeping the Peace. In a nutshell, the core of the talent says that when you inflict a critical injury with brawl, melee, or a lightsaber attack, you can suffer a strain to change the crit 
any whatever you rolled to an to an easy crit any 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 in the easy range band the one purples right um of your choice uh it's pretty cool very thematic for a warden especially right right um but obviously as is called out specifically in the text of that paragraph it doesn't apply to ranged weapons attacks or obviously not gunnery only brawl melee and lightsaber attacks correct but the second paragraph which most people gloss over when they read the talent <laughs> um is really the crux of Siraf's question. And to paraphrase it, um, the book text basically says, also, whenever you defeat a minion or a rival NPC, you can always choose to do so by non-lethal means, even if circumstances would normally prevent that. So, Hmm. yeah. So as far as that second paragraph goes, does that apply to ranged attacks? What about gunnery? What about starship combat? What about skill-based encounters? Okay. Um, instead of speculating, we actually have a dev answer to this. Um, in fact, Max Brook himself answered Sirath's question privately, but the answer is a really good one and worthy of sharing to the Gamer Nation at large, hence we are doing so now. Sure. Um, per the devs, the second paragraph feature does indeed work with ranged attacks. Um, and Max even included some narrative deaths, like being able to narrate uh, that instead of tossing someone out of an airlock, you can have them surrender or faint prior to you doing so, right? Right. Um, he did point out that some weapons like grenades and vehicle weapons might be too indiscriminate, and the GM is well within their rights to rule them unfeasible, uh, unfeasible to apply this benefit to, um, as well as calling out the GM fiat is, is, is always being the case. Um, however, it does apply to ranged attacks um, in terms of the second paragraph effect, so that's that. I mean, Phil, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Personally, if a PC took this talent and they wanted to spare the life of a minion or a rival, I would let them. I don't care what you're attacking with. Even in Starship combat, I, mean, I understand it's a Starship weapon, um, but, I mean, if, if it's Starship to Starship combat, so what? You disable the ship. They're dead in space. Okay? Sure. Um, even if you're attacking them with a Starship weapon on personal scale, maybe they're just blasted away and knocked into a coma. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I don't really... Same with a grenade. I, I th- that's me though. I I'm always going to err on the side of the player on this. I mean, what what are your thoughts, man? And, and on the talent in general, a lot of people overlook that second part of it. It's really interesting. No, um, I think that if you're going to be, I think that a lot of people who end up taking the warden spec, they do so because they do want to play that sort of um, defender, uh, police officer type who wants to you know stop crime, stop criminals, and or stop bad guys and sort of bring them to justice. Or at least not indiscriminately just kill everyone. Um, right. So the ability uh, that and let's face it, there's a lot of PCs who are like, we need to take one alive. <laughs> we have questions. We need to know what's going on. Exactly. So I think giving the PCs a talent that specifically says you defeat your opponents how you want to defeat them. That if you are specifically fighting to keep the, fighting a person to non-lethally to keep them alive that you can certainly do so. You know where to shoot. Your character has spent the XP. They know where to shoot. They know how to shoot. They know even where to throw a grenade. You know, uh, throw it so that, like, the concussive wave just knocks them out. You don't actually throw it at their feet. You throw it, like, you know, 20 or 30 feet to their left, and just the debris and the shock wave just knocks them out. I'm even fine with that. Um, It's a PC investment. They bought this talent. I think it's totally within... Uh, it, it's totally appropriate for the GM to say, "Okay, no, you you've done this. So how do the how do these guys get defeated? Unless unless it is in unless it is key to the GM's story that a specific NPC be killed. Yeah. <clears throat> um. 
Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I want this guy dead. You know, I don't want the PCs to save him. I don't want or, or, or to 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 capture him or something like that. I want him dead. Um, in those situations, I think it's justifiable for the GM to like flip a destiny point and just say, nope, he's dead. Kind of like how the opposite is where if the PC, if the GM really wants an NPC to live and the PCs just obliterate him, flip a destiny point and say, no, he's still alive or he gets away or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So, good question. Well, we got a call-in question from GM Freak. <clears throat> we did. You want to hear it? Uh, yes, let's do that. Hey, guys, it's GM Freak with a quick species question that I forgot to ask my GM when we last played, so I figured I'd ask you guys. For the last year and a half, I've been playing a Basilisk Force user with a penchant for dual lightsabers, like a armored version of Pong Krell from the Clone Wars series. Uh, when we originally started my character, we started with the stats from the unofficial species menagerie and then adapted that to kind of a takeoff of the Zextu from Stay on Target. That meant that I got the additional maneuver per turn without taking strain, which was very nice. When the rival Basilisk was released in Force and Destiny, we changed the species ability to be able to use two advantage to hit a second foe. For a tank like me, that's deadly with a lot of advantage and a double-bladed lightsaber. But after the devs were on to, to discuss special modifications, they clarified that the species ability is the same as the Zextus, that additional maneuver without taking strain. So what do you guys think? I know GM Fiat exists, but were you GMing this? How would you handle this one? How would you handle uh, changes to a species that had been released and changed again moving forward so sex in advance and of course i never listen hmm <laughs> i don't know man you want to tackle this um sure i think that'd be very appropriate for me to tackle this one <laughs> um so first off when you make a character with house rules then actual rules come out and you're kind of obligated to update yourself to the new raw for for good or bad but this is an odd situation, is that we had a set of NPC species stats released, then a different version of PC stats were released. You know, we had the NPC Besilisk in Force and Destiny, and then we finally got the actual Besilisk in uh, Special Modifications. And as Freak says, the devs clarified on this very podcast that the PC stats are what you should follow. So, what to do? Look, unless your GM is some kind of bald-headed dork who's happy with the current build, then use it. GM's rule is the GM's rule. Are you, the, it are you the aforementioned bald-headed dork? <laughs> uh, if it were me, <laughs> I'd have you updated to follow the PC's stats. Uh, those have been properly playtested and balanced, and as you point out, and uh, as I can attest, the dual-wielder stats on, uh, that came with the NPC... It's just devastating. <laughs> the thing is, this is one of those things that I like about the system, is that NPCs typically do not follow the rules of PCs. We've seen it before, and we'll see it again. They get to be game-breaking because they're toast after the encounter. NPCs don't have to follow the talent tree advancement rules either. GMs can just give them whatever talent makes sense, but this doesn't mean the PCs can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Chris? How would you handle it? No, I, I have to agree with you. Um, it, if it wasn't too overpowering in my game and the player really liked it, I'd let him keep it. 
Um, but if it's if it's causing serious issues to like in my encounters, if he's just creaming things, okay. I'm just like, I'll be like, yeah, we're going to update you. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's, I mean, a free maneuver each round without spitting strain. This is not a bad thing, okay? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. <clears throat> um, That's still a superb ability. I mean, you could aim every round without strain yeah. and get yourself yeah. boost dice, which might give you your two advantage. Yeah. Um. So I really, I really don't, don't have an, have an issue with it. I, you know... <sighs> The devs have clarified that the PC stats are what you should follow. So, I mean, on face, that's what you should follow. I mean, and it, why they chose what they did, and the reason they chose what you did. I mean, I, I can tell you, and Phil, you can certainly attest to the value of playtested stats. Hell yes, and hell yes, and let me tell you guys, those character stats get a lot, and I mean by a factor of what, probably five or six, seven to one more playtesting than NPC stat blocks. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if an NPC stat block is overpowered or wrong, oh, that's fine. It might mess up an encounter. If PC stat blocks are overpowered, you can destroy an entire campaign. So, yeah. So, freak, let me know what you're going to do with your best list on Saturday. Okay? (laughs) Talk to you later. (laughs) So this is your player, I'm assuming. (laughs) This is my player. (laughs) There you go. Um, There you go. But but yeah, I can attest a a a Besilisk with that. Oh, spend two advantage to get a second hit on a a, a second adjacent target with a double blade of lightsaber, who can then get a second with another two advantage, get a second hit on the first target. Yeah, it just gets obscene. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's there. So good stuff. Well, guys, get your questions in because we want to hear them. And now it is time. To bring an end to the podcast, uh, big thanks to all the listeners, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you that are following us on Facebook at this point, um, and of course the even more that are members of the Gamer Nation on the forums and our regular listeners um, who are silent in the wings. Oh yes. Um, uh, we really want to know what you guys want us to talk about, and you guys have not let us down. In fact, next episode we are proud to say we are talking about something that is going to be a little unusual that we've never really talked about before. Okay. Um, we've had a lot of suggestions um, on the forums for what to talk about next. Um, some of us want, some people want us to go through like GM tips and tricks, but yeah. I kind of feel like we've done that already in like two different episodes at this point. Yeah, we kind of have. Uh, we kind of have. Um, we've had several other interesting requests, but the one that really kind of stood out uh, in the top five for Dave and me and Phil uh, was the idea of how to be a better player. Um, tips and tricks for the player to be successful in this system play it properly um, and be a really valuable member of your party Uh, so we're going to engender some really interesting discussion in two weeks time uh, when we'll be back to talk about that so I'm really looking forward to that discussion so am I, Uh, you're right it's something we've really talked about before Yeah. Um, so promises to be interesting Uh, in the meantime guys, again as we said become a member of the Gamer Nation if you're not already Visit us at d20radio.com, click on the forums link, register, post your mind, call us, leave us a line, or tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast, 262d20radio, or email us, gmchris, gmphil, or gmdave at d20radio.com. And that's that. And this is GM Chris, wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And this is GM Phil. May the dice be with you. And with you. And with With you. you. And with you, and with you, and you, and you, and him, and that guy.
Yeah. Except Eric. Not that guy. Screw Eric. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. I don't want to play. I want to bang on the drum all day. Damn right. Air ah. drums for everybody. Air drums for everybody. <clears throat> <sighs> uh, fun show. Very um, fun. Very fun. Uh, that that was a... <sighs> I like challenges like that. I like challenges like that. Okay, you have to build this character. How would you build it? Ooh, all right. I'm going to do this. Uh, uh, I haven't thought about this before. Exactly. I never would have considered playing an entrepreneur. I look at that and go, okay, money, but no, no, I'm not, I'm not going into speculative finance as a character. <laughs> but, you know, the, the Audro the Hut thing could be fun to play. I think Drump could be fun to play. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how long it would be fun to play Drump. Oh, man. Okay, so I finally... Finally, um, after seeing the trailers for Justice League and Wonder Woman um, coming out of San Diego Comic-Con, sure, I finally bit the bullet and sat down to watch um, Batman v Superman. Which one did you see? I watched the extended cut, I guess you could say. Okay. All right. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. I, I went to see Batman vs. Superman in the theaters with my dad. Um, I'm, I'm told... Um, that it added a lot more of Clark Kent being a reporter, basically, and justifying his hatred of the bat. Huh. Um, but yeah, I watched it. <laughs> I can tell by your tone that you were not impressed. Um. Or at least impressed in a positive light. There were some good aspects to the film. Yes, I will agree with that. Um, the thing I feared the most actually turned out to be the best part of the film for me. Which was which was Ben Affleck. Everyone says that, and, and even I have to agree. Uh, I I didn't think he was like the best Batman ever, but I will concede that he was actually a decent Batman. I um, uh, he was a decent Bruce Wayne. Yes, and that's that's where it it comes to. I I thought I really enjoyed his performance as Batman and Bruce Wayne. I I really did. Um, Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that. You know, I really have. I really don't feel like we have been given a good Batman since like God, Michael Keaton. Yeah, even then, I mean, Keaton's nostalgic for all of us. But if you look back yeah. and measure his performance, it's kind of like, eh. 
he was a great Bruce Wayne. He really was. He was. He <laughs> that, was. That sardonic playboy. He just he did it great, right? Actually, we haven't had a good Batman since the Bruce Tim era of the uh, the the like Justice League Unlimited and and going all the way back to the Batman animated series. I would totally agree with that. Great Batman. Great Batman. Um, we haven't been given a great live action Batman. I would agree. But I mean, so I watched this with my wife, and and we're, we're, I was looking over, and he's like, she's like, yeah, he's not bad. And the scene where he's doing the stupid CrossFit workout shit, you know, the <laughs> okay, and she's like, my God, he put on some mass, didn't he? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's got those muscle things, like those those weird like like waist muscle things. <laughs> like those, that ain't airbrush. <laughs> that ain't airbrush. Like. <laughs> Dude got jacked. Dude got jacked for that role. And you know Affleck's been pl- waiting his whole life to play this. So it's... God, yes. Um, I think he's finally old enough to do it as well. Yeah. Um, the problems I had with the character um, are, have nothing to do with him and everything to do with what was written. Yeah. Um, again, Batman doesn't kill people. <laughs> no. That's, no, he doesn't. That's his thing. That's the point. That's what just keeps him from being some BS criminal, you know, wannabe vigilante, is that he doesn't cross that line. No. That's that 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 conflict for him is the central conflict of his character, one might say. Yeah. Um so I I, I don't know. Um so he was good. Um Henry Cavill, I just like I'm like like dude smile, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was just like, okay, smile. Um Superman is supposed to be lighthearted. He is supposed to be a, a genuinely happy person yeah. who, who gets who, who who enjoys being the hero and 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 helping people. Yeah, I, I, I got none of that from this guy. I mean, I'm mm, n- nothing, nothing. Uh, <sighs> it was it was very very interesting. Um, I felt Wonder Woman was very well done, and I'm very yep. excited about the film. But at the All same right. time, it was very apparent that she was tacked onto this film intentionally and unnecessarily you could have you could have changed a couple script points and rewritten this entire film without her and it would have been the same plot yep um change jesse eisenberg is the worst thing i've ever seen on screen dear effing god what the hell was that lex Luthor is not supposed to i mean listen yeah he's insane but it's it's a no, he's megalomani- he's a megalomaniacal or whatever that I can't. Remember. He's a sociopath. Yes, he's not a yes. psychopath. He is a sociopath. He's a sociopath. He is a chess master. And what I what I got from Eisenberg is okay. Yeah, he's obviously a genius, kid genius, billionaire, whatever. But he's not batshit crazy. He's he, I, I. He's not the Joker with a crew cut. Yeah, that's yeah. And I'm, I'm just I I don't. He came across as a Batman villain. He did not come across as the stupid, insane businessman genius who is out to destroy Superman. I mean, and claim the world for himself. And that was, uh, I mean. That was not Lex Luthor. No. Do, I don't know who that was, but that was I, not Lex Luthor. It was Luthor. not Lex Luthor. I, I, I'm not even going to talk about Doomsday. I'm not even going to talk about that because it was just stupid. Yeah. Um, I and okay. <clears throat> so, and if you haven't seen this film, we're obviously getting into spoiler territory. But I'm getting into big spoiler territory now, so you might want to turn it off if you haven't seen the film yet, or care, or care. Um, so Superman dies. Yep. 
And not for one instant did I care. No. Or even have any suspension of disbelief that he was actually dead. Right. Like the very end scene where the, the dirt starts to levitate on his coffin. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, from the instant it happened, the instant it happened, I'm like, yeah, he's not dead. Um, uh, Hole in his chest. Meh. Meh. Uh, I mean, the dude just survived a nuclear blast in space. Yeah. Uh, you showed me that. And, and uh, you know, a nice little 30 seconds of sunlight got him back to fight in shape. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't, yeah, I'm just not buying it. Sorry, guys. Um, not even a little. Not even remotely a little. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, that's my feedback on it. I, you know, I, I really, I, I wanted, I want, I want there to be a solo film with Batman and Alfred. That's, that's really, um, Irons, great Alfred. Great oh. Alfred. Um, yeah, just, 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 just give me some Batman films with, with uh, that flick and Irons. I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm okay with, yeah. Yeah. I do like, uh, <laughs> actually, the, the most encouraging news I heard was hearing that Jeff Johns is now, like, executive president of the, the DC, DC Comics movies. Yeah, well, they're like, they're like, God, we're still missing the mark, guys. What is it? Uh, it's Kevin Feige. That's why they're kicking our butt. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jeff. Guess what? New job. <sighs> I, I can just see him like walking into like whatever uh, 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 conference room and just kind of looking at the stack of scripts and just looking at the people, especially Zack Snyder, and just going, "No, no, no, <laughs> no. We're gonna make some changes. Make some changes. Sorry, Zach. Whatever your murder porn fetish is for Batman is gonna stop. Yep. Uh, it's I, I don't." I, I don't I don't understand. I don't This I, is not happening. This is not happening. Um have you seen Suicide Suicide Squad? I have not. Nor I'll have probably I. end up seeing it this week. Okay. I, I haven't seen it either. Um I won't see it this week because I'm about to go on vacation, but I'll see it afterwards. Of course not. Yeah. Um but the reviews yeah. Mm. Um I mean I mean last I saw it was like twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Mm. You know that petition someone started to like to shut down Rotten Tomatoes because it's endangering and hurting the DC movies. Well, gosh, we should start a petition to shut down the internet while we're at it. I know, right? Um, <laughs> I, I look at that and I go, that's stupid. <laughs> Maybe those movies are rating so low because they're bad. Because they're really bad. No, like, but like, even then, like, as much as my feelings are for BVS, um, I mean, it's a polarizing film. I mean, I mean, the Rotten score is like thirty, but the fan score is like sixty-six percent. Yeah, true. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know, there are some critics out there that I I like their reviews because if they don't like it, I know I'm gonna like it. Yeah. Um, there's a God. I'm trying to remember her name. There's a gal on YouTube. Um, huge like nerd. She does these. She does a series called Behind the Trailer. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Grace. Okay. Um, and I like pretty much universally disagree with everything she says. And so she's like, she's like, you know, I really didn't enjoy this film. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna enjoy it then. Okay. I don't like this film. I'm, 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 this gonna, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna like this film. Um, but uh, her review of Suicide Squad was just hor- horrendous. Um, <laughs> and and even people people of friends I've I've talked to that have seen it. And that I trust their reviews on it, you know, sure. just just amateurs. They're like, it was adequate. 
Yeah, it was kind of what I'm expecting. That's kind of all I'm expecting out of the film. It's like it was adequate. I mean, there was there was nothing spectacular about it. Um, The plot was very much A to B to C. There was no twist. There was no nothing. Very little character development. The Joker was in it for the Joker was in it for like thirty seconds. And Many shots of Harlequin's ass. Tons of shots of Harley's ass. Ton. They say. They say. Yeah, it's one of the reviews I read. Said you'll leave with her ass and legs just imprinted into your brain. The cinematographers and editors were like, just, just show that. Just show lots of that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just lots of that. We're just that's all we're gonna show. Um, I've read reviews that say basically that you know it's interesting because they they like the promise. Of a couple of the characters, especially Will Smith's Deadshot and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, you know that, that given more screen time and more um, uh, effort to flesh out their characters, they could be really strong. Um, but they just don't have it. The other thing I've read too is is anyone who knows filmmaking watches it and says, "Oh yeah, it's obvious from the craptastic editing that was done that they probably cut about thirty minutes out of this film before it released." <laughs> so okay. And I'm sure we'll get that in the unlimited edition that'll come out in several months. Yeah, sure. They got to They got to They got to make that. Make that. Mo- shake that money maker. <laughs> Beat that money maker to death. To death into the ground with the dead horse. No dead. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what else, man. I mean, anything exciting for you? There's a lot of. Uh, I mean, any other games at Gen Con that were announced or anything like that that excited you? I got to admit. That Starfinder is really on my radar, which is Pathfinder's new space opera themed campaign. Pathfinder in space. Yeah, Pathfinder in space. They had a couple things that were revealed, like they they announced what, like what the character classes are, what the basic uh, you know game system is, what the what the idea is is that faster than light travel was just discovered, so it's really this kind of um, you know wagons wagons west type uh, colonization push. That there's like, um, which really fits with the Pathfinder theme. It absolutely does. Yeah, absolutely does. Uh, that every, the the idea is that the PC party are are members of a ship. You know, they're they're all crew members. Where it's a lot of Star Trek with a whole lot of Firefly thrown into. Is these the, your basic PC party, which is basically any your any average, and especially any edge of the air, edge of the Empire uh, team. Yeah, it's really stuff like that. Um, so that's on my radar. They're saying that they're they're debuting that at Gen Con 2017, which is cool. It's cool. I think I'm, I think I'm going to really try to get out to Gen Con 2017, even if I have to drive. I looked at the numbers. It basically would have cost me like $250 in gas to to drive there, whereas if had I had I had flown, it would have cost me like 600 because hmm. no flight goes directly from Boston to Indianapolis. Right. And well, uh, I had an offer to run some games for FFG that I just I couldn't get out there. And that gets you your hotel. Yep. So if, I, if, if I'm able to score that, if I'm able to get that offer next year, I think I'll drive if I have to. Just because it, 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 was, too, it was too fun not to miss, you know? Yeah. I'm... Plus, you know, I get to hang out with the, the FFG guys, you know, Sam and Keith and, uh, and Sam Fish. Sam wasn't there this year. Oh, he wasn't? Nope. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, maybe if I say I'll be there, maybe he'll show. Sam, I'm going to Gen Con. I'm there. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. Just for you. I know, right? Um, 
yeah, I'm I'm kind of done with Pathfinder. I never played Pathfinder. <laughs> I, I I think I played too much Pathfinder. Does that make sense? Oh yes. Um. Yes. Uh. So I think I think I'm kind of I'm just kind of done with that. Um. I'm le- almost it, getting there with Star Wars. I mean, and, and I think really that's just because I'm running too many goddamn games. <laughs> and you want to go to you want to go run more. You need to take a break from GMing and play for a while, bro. Um. One of my PCs is going to be starting a game in September or October. Uh, Rebellion era, kind of starting on the fringe and then likely transitioning into the Rebellion if that's where we end up going. What did I come up with a character for that? Shoot, now I can't remember. I gotta find it. I gotta find it now. I shot him an email about it. Playing, Playing in Star Wars always revitalizes me for for running um so it's you know it, it's it's there um, it's therapeutic it's therapeutic and the, the other thing i've taken a shine to is running a lot of one-offs of random rpgs that also totally revitalizes you you just need oh, that I- you just need that break um but I, I don't know starfinder it's it almost feels a, uh, it's almost feels a little too little a little too late um i think i think they're probably a year behind with it if they, if they had actually released the game at gen con Paizo could have really pulled out a big one, but I think after it, I mean, a year away, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I found another great free RPG I'm actually dying to throw down. Okay. Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh, God, I've heard of this. So you have you watched, have you ever heard, heard the song or watched the video? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. But yeah, these guys, these guys on 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 Reddit started this 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 AMA like or this 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 sub forum to basically flesh out the the rules to this game. It's ridiculously simple. It's just actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf, and the idea is that the players are being hunted by Shia LaBeouf, um, and they have to band together to to escape, outwit, and possibly even kill Shia LaBeouf. Um. <laughs> Very simple mechanics. Each player begins play with five blood tokens um, that represent their well-being. And as they're like attacked and they move through various challenges, they'll lose blood tokens. Um, whenever they would take any kind of action that would risk bodily harm, the player rolls a d6. Um, if that number is greater than their current blood tokens, they fail and they lose a token. Okay. Oh, man. Um, if you roll... Equal to or less than your current number of blood tokens, you'll succeed, okay? And you won't lose a blood token. So early on in the game, you just got to hit a five or less, and you're fine, right? Sure. Um, but if you wish, you can expend a blood token to guarantee your success for whatever action you are performing. Um, and then you just keep playing. And, and you know, if once you lose all five blood tokens, you can no longer take actions that require a dice roll, and the next attack against you will be fatal. Um, though you could still attempt to flee to safety beforehand. And if you die... Shia will consume your body and he will he will he will gain your five blood tokens for himself because he has his own number of blood tokens depending on the number of players right oh that's wrong um (laughs) and there's like all these gm rules like the shia surprise and other (laughs) it's it's pretty it's pretty simple and I'm, i'm so anxious to throw it down and just you know have Shia LaBeouf, you know, <laughs> on all fours, chasing players through like an abandoned amusement park. It's, it would just be, 
incredible, you know, uh, you know, 10 foot leap into the rafters and he disappears. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just (laughs) actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. All right. So I found it. Um, the character is a Twi'lek marshal for sensitive exile. Uh, young Jedi, a very young, uh, a youngling when the Jedi Temple, in the Jedi Temple when Order 66 occurred, uh, he was able to flee to the Outer Rim territories and hide from the Empire for nearly two decades. Having had a strong sense of justice as well as a sense of right and wrong, Dune fought for the downtrodden against those who would prey upon them by becoming a lawman on a small colony world. Uh, the Empire came to the village in pursuit of a, a suspected rebel sympathizer. Instead of investigating, the Imperial ISB agent simply ordered the town destroyed. Of course they would. Uh, since it was a haven for many smugglers and other, since the planet was a haven for many smugglers and other criminals, the village burned under the bomber attack. Dune survived, but only a handful of others did. Twice now, the Empire has taken those close to him. Twice, the Empire has shattered Dune's world. Now, the former Padawan turned Marshal has decided it is time to defy the Empire in the name of those who can no longer. Ooh, Force-sensitive Marshal. Force-sensitive Marshal. And it gave he um, starting with uh, sense. Because um, that's really the kind of just like he just he 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 all the training he had when he he was really young when he was in the temple like five or six so he was just kind of getting to the edge of okay this, this is the force this is what it is blah 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 mm-hmm. um, and I've I've always wanted to try to have that that you know Steve Hobart talked about it on the show that having that Luke Skywalker journey yeah that starting out as a as, a, as just a normal person who discovers that they're force sensitive, having that journey and discovery of the force and belonging to something bigger and, and the journey of that. So I figure, hey, what the hell? I'm going to give this a go. Dude, that's, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to this. Should be fun. Um, oh, man. That sounds fun. I haven't, I haven't been able to play in Star Wars in a few months, and I'm, I'm kind of aching to do so again. Um. Because uh, we, we have, should make something happen, you know, something where we you know, like, a, like a, I've invited you to play. How many I times? Know, but you've invited me last minute, man. If you let me know like a couple days in advance, I'm sure I can like make it happen. Okay, well then we'll just have to do this. Yes, and get it done. And plus, yes. I got all these little one-offs I want to run for you too, outside sure. of Star Wars. I'm down. Um, like Tiny Dungeon. Uh, like Tiny Dungeon. Uh, like another one I just found. Um, uh, 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 ninety minutes of mayhem. I'm sorry. What? 90 minutes of mayhem. Okay. When you were, we, okay, you remember when you were growing up, we used to watch we used to watch films like um like American Ninja and sure. like okay, this is the R- this, I watched that last week. Okay. <laughs> this is the RPG of 80s action movies. Okay. All right, it's a one-pager. Um like you 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 pick your your star's name. You know, like, you know, Drake, Steel, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you pick, you pick um, uh, your style, like moody, surly, regretful, divorced. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, pacifist. And then your profession. So like you're, you know, a, a, you know, divorced cop, you know, <laughs> you know, or, you know, pacifist, you know, a journalist. Okay. Or, um and your profession, and there's actually a list of professions you can pick. There's policeman, school teacher, stay-at-home dad, billionaire, journalist, store clerk, president of the United States of America, philosophy student, art school supply specialist, or a nun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you pick your X profession, like special forces, safe cracker, government assassin, astronaut, right? Right. And so it's like, you know, you know, um, you know, pacifist nun, X government assassin, you know, <laughs> right? Which is which is the formula for all these characters for the eighties action movie, right? You know, right, right. Um, yeah, you know, your rigs, you know, uh, <laughs> grieving cop, ex special forces, you know that kind of. Um, and then you you pick three signature moves for yourself, like you know, um, after you know, um, uh, eating after you kill someone, um, asking for a cigarette in the middle of a gunfight, right? Um, diving out of a window while shooting at people. Uh, you know, uh, you know, making a toast to your enemy. You know, very simple things that don't require a test to perform, right? Sure. You have a dice pool of five dice. If you want to do something, whatever it is you describe you're doing for the GM, it's it falls into three categories. It's either dull, impressive, or spectacular. Okay. And it's either covered by your professions or not covered by your professions, either in your skill set or not. And based on the combinations there, there's an, there's an easy little grid. Either either it's automatic, like if it's covered by your profession and it's a dull task, you don't need to test for it. It's just you can just sure. do it. If it's covered by your profession and it's impressive, it's a free test, which means you can take as many dice as you want out of your pool, roll them, and uh, you're looking for results. If your highest die is a one or two, you failed. If your highest die is a three or four, you succeed. If your highest die is a five or a six, it's like big success with advantage and stuff like that, right? right. Um, if it's a spectacular thing you want to do, it's a paid test. Or if it's impressive but not covered by your profession, it's a paid test. Meaning that you choose the dice out of your pool, out of your pool of five that you want to use, but after the test is over, you lose the dice. They're surrendered to the director. Huh. Okay, so your dice pool gets progressively smaller and smaller the more crazy stuff you do, and um, eventually to the point that you're, you're running out of gas. But once per each session, you can perform one of your signature moves and cross it off the list to gain back a spent die. Huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. And that's it, in a nutshell. It, it just sounds like an absolute blast, and I would just love to create, like, you know... You know, cybernetic ninjas attack the <laughs> attack the White House, um, and it becomes this awesome '80s action movie. I can right. just totally, totally see that happening. Um, <laughs> and uh, Clone Commando thirteen thirteen wants to know in chat, what is it called? The game is called Ninety Minutes of Mayhem with two exclamation points at the back and ninety in in numerals. And just Google it; you can find it. Um, if you, uh, if you, if you pledge at the $10 level that gets you access to my super secret GM Chris's secret stash Twitter account that only those particular Patreon subscribers to D20 Radio get access to, you would have been tweeted the link along with a custom character sheet that I created for it. I'm just saying, but you know, Good times. No, it's good. It's good. But seriously, dude, yeah, we gotta get, we got we gotta get, some, we gotta get some game on. You and I personally haven't gotten to play together nearly enough. God, I can't remember the last time. I think the last time we we got to play an actual game, not like a pickup game, like um, everyone is John at the last one. I think, God, was I believe it was when the first kickstarter for the first gamer nation con and we all bid on it and you ran that skype game for me and brett and kimber and andrew and 
and all them. Oh, that, that was, was a, the pirate module. Oh yeah, space pirates. That was fun. Yeah, and you guys, you guys, last time we got to play together. You guys are a good group. Yeah. Yeah, we do what we can. Yeah, no, man, that was. I cultivated them well. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> it took me many years to find a gaming group this good. Ooh la la. Um. <laughs> Um, I, I got to admit, I'm 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 proud and and have so much fun with my gamers. You got so a good you got a good group. I, I feel the same way. I, I have a very great group. Um, it took so. us a while to find these folks, but god damn it, we're holding on to them. I know, right? <laughs> Mostly because they exhibit good player behavior, which we can go over <laughs> in our next show. So yeah, yeah. I think that'll do for today. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think it's about time to call it. All right, Gamer Nation, good night. And good luck.